cheers to Utah, the only state I know of that could really accommodate Ben in this unique situation, to the Beehive State, to Utah. To Utah. Cheers to that, a Bachelor franchise podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to exploring the big stories and questions that only a cultural touchstone like The Bachelor can inspire. I'm Stephanie Jackson. And I'm Josh Jackson. Grab a drink and join us on Cheers to That. All right, Bachelor Nation, we have arrived at the final destination for this season, this rewatch party we've had with Ben Higgins. Uh, and we're going to celebrate with a drink uh, this might be kind of a stretch, but I think I think it's I think it's gonna work. Okay, so we're gonna celebrate with a classic tiki cocktail. Uh, it's gonna feature rum and peach and honey and citrus and a bunch of other good stuff. Some pineapple, some mint. Uh, this is called the Missionary's Downfall. Uh, missionary Downfall because, well, we got pastors. We got people in Jamaica falling all over themselves. We got, uh, I think Ben Higgins did some missionary work at some point. So, so there you go. Missionaries downfall. Check out how to make it yourself in the show notes and enjoy. So, um, at this point in lockdown, I have no more M&Ms. Um, Mm-mm. yeah, but I did manage to get some dark chocolate. So, you know, I can still be irresponsible, just not you know, keeping on my, my trend of uh, cathartic bachelor watching and just shoveling pounds of M&Ms into my gullet. It's hard to scoop entire fistfuls of chocolate bar in your mouth like it is with something with a hard candy shell. But gall darn it, I'm going to try. <laughs> I feel like I've gone full circle of, of, you know, back in the beginning, I was too depressed to eat uh, much of anything and then I just kind of went uh, fuck it and started eating whatever I wanted and now I'm starting to feel tired of that and I actually bought some like healthy meat and greens and I'm gonna like eat light the rest of the week you actually bought some produce last week like some peppers and I made zoodles zucchini noodles they were very good yeah that's right see it's not sad though like that you can get tired of eating like junk food it's like that's what you fantasize about when you're a child it's like you know it's like the whole premise or the whole like appeal behind charlie and the chocolate factory or is candy like land. right it's like when i grow up i'm gonna eat candy all the time and then you know you get in this stressful situation and you go okay i'm gonna allow myself to just you know eat my my you know weight in m&ms and then you actually get tired of it it's like that's <laughs> it's just cruel at this point. Like, how much more are we to endure? It, it's it's these like, are first world problems, by the way. <laughs> it's like when you can finally afford like a really expensive fancy meal, you no longer want to eat as much as you did when you were twenty and broke. Yeah, I mean, you can appreciate it on a certain level, but it it doesn't have quite the uh, yeah the 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 strong allure that it once did. Oh, speaking of people who don't have the allure that they once did, <laughs> let's talk about men. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah, let's. Uh, we got a, a lot to cover. Uh, it was a, well, they say it was a three-hour finale. It was actually two hours. There's an extra 60 minutes of commercials to watch. So uh, let's get through all two hours of the final rose with a rapid recap. 
Oh, and can I say I'm really glad or I found it very refreshing and a little sad that they do, they veered away from this model, but they didn't do the thing where Chris Harrison teases some new show on ABC during right. the show. There weren't like these built-in commercials. So, I yeah, I, yeah, I was he, he, he just teased a, a big payoff that never actually happened. <laughs> right, he's like he's going to get married for the first time at after the final rose, but I mean it wasn't like you know, get ready for Stumptown or something like that, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> or listen to your heart or something like that. Right. Well, anyway, like I said, uh, let's recap this junk. Rapid recap. <laughs> we start off with, damn it. <coughs> try it again. Try, try it. Rapid recap. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm teeing you up. One more time. I'm ready. Rapid recap. Mm. Well, we start off with Chris Harrison being a little self-deprecating. Seriously, guys, don't laugh. I don't say it all the time. In fact, me commenting on it is the most dramatic commentary ever. We got quite a star-studded guest appearance over here. We got Neil Lane in the audience. We got Ben's pastor here. You know, the notorious Denny of Warsaw, Indiana, the orthopedic capital. Back in Jamaica, uh, we start the whole episode off with another round of Who Wore Better Cutoffs edition. Yeah, a little Jamaican tribute to Daisy Duke. We learn that Ben is afraid he's going to make a mistake. Well, it's a little too late to worry about that, buddy. Lauren B. cranks up the charm with Ben's parents, and whatever she's doing is working. Ben's mom is actually holding her hand when she's interviewing her. I just kept waiting for her to say, I just want a daughter so bad, and you're just the perfect daughter for me. But it never happened. After Lauren meets the parents, it's time for JoJo's turn, and Ben sells JoJo to his parents by listing all the romantic stuff they did together. Yeah, and we sort of saw the Hoover Dam, but we were too busy making out. <laughs> hey, what do you think, Mom and Dad? Pretty cool, huh? I make out. Ben's dad is not a very rigorous investigator. And apparently he's not able to read context cues. Um, if she's still in this ridiculous process, she probably does like him at least a little bit. So back in the studio... Will we have an impromptu wedding tonight? Well, one thing we know for sure, Ben's pastor is still walking around in a circle reading his Bible. That was the most aggressive page flipping I have ever seen. Ben and Lauren going on a romantic dream date on a boat. And that dream would be my nightmare. I was getting so, so sick watching that. Ugh. Ben seems to think that a relationship is real because it's hard. That's how he knew school was real. During the evening portion of his date, Ben looks really underdressed. Yeah, she's in a gown and he's basically in like an athleisure hoodie. Maybe it's left over from Kayla and her athleta photo shoot moment. I'm not sure. Golly, this pensive music during this whole flippin' date. Well, there's a reason why you put condiments on white bread sandwiches. Since the commercial break, Ben's pastor has graduated to walking down the hall. I just imagined a thought bubble popping up above his head that says, what do I do with my hands? On JoJo's last date with Ben, she sports the most period-unfriendly pair of shorts one could imagine. Yes, those super short white shorts are a win for feminism and birth control for all. 
uh, Jojo points out to Ben what we've been talking about all along, that they haven't even talked at all about the future. I was just waiting for Ben to say, that's because I've been too chicken to think about it. It's nighttime at Sandals, and it's time for more blurry boobs and vague conversations. Yeah, isn't it weird that that's somebody's job to just sit there with like a blur tool and go over frame by frame, blurring out Jojo's side boob? I mean, there are worse ways to get paid, I guess. Jojo is just now realizing how brutal this show actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's like the whole thing is a game show. How cruel. So what was the tactic here with the whole bathroom sneak off? It reminded me of The Office when Michael and Holly run off to try to make out in the stairwell and they think they're turning their microphones off, but they're turning them up. It just made it more dramatic and, you know, more juicy footage for them to be trying to hide away. But we heard everything. In case you missed it by now, Ben is in love with two women. This is the first I've heard of this. Back in the studio, Ben's pastor is still just reading his Bible, but now he's graduated to reading it in the studio. More aggressive page flipping so that he can include both the Old Testament and the New Testament in his impromptu sermon. Back at Sandals, it's time for a date with Neil Lane. And the winner for the most awkward moment of the episode when Neil Lane says, Tell me about her, what's she like? And after a long pause says, Do you know which one it is? All right, it's time for the final rose, and first one out of the copter is... Jojo! And we all know by now, if it's like brunch time when you're getting out of the limo or helicopter or whatever, it's not you. They want that late afternoon, golden hour, sunset stuff for the winter. Ben looks like he picked up another stomach worm. Yeah, he kept saying throughout the episode that his stomach hurt, and yes, there probably was some emotion behind that, but uh, also Parasite. After what seems like hours of breakup footage, it's time to put your sweaty suit coat back on and get ready for copter number two, but not before making a special phone call. And kudos to Mr. Bushnell for being the chillest guy ever to get a proposal permission blessing phone call from Jamaica and being really amenable to it. I don't think I would have been as chill. All right, so Lauren said yes, the couple's happy, and we're going to interview them now in the studio. Uh, But man, this post-proposal interview is sad to watch, knowing what we know now. I know, they seem so in love, but I think what happened is Lauren could never really get over the fact that he, for real, seems conflicted and made his decision pretty spur of the moment to spend the rest of his life with her. That's not the kind of thing you want to watch later. So Jojo comes out to rehash the breakup. She seems pretty easygoing about it all. Yeah, I wonder why. And why she's gotten her hair did. Uh, But enough of that. Let's spend some more time with these unwittingly tragic lovers um, with a surprise skit from Jimmy Kimmel. And a fantasy suite visual aid courtesy of a couple of Barbies. All right, we've been seeing this pastor's mug all damn night. What's the big payoff? He gets a big old bro bear hug from Ben. That's it. So we end this season with perhaps the most sweet but ironically sad conclusion of all. Yes, with Ben's dad saying, the Bushnell Higgins is going to be great. Uh, Perhaps so, but short-lived. All right, that's the final rapid recap of the entire season. 
We hope you've enjoyed it. Let's get into some deep dive questions that this episode has inspired. So this this whole part in the in every season where the the final contestants are meeting the lead's parents and that whole thing brings up a lot of interesting questions for me as well as a few other tropes that seem to pop up all the time. First and foremost, I always find it so strange when the lead's parents seem so like lackadaisical about the lead marrying one of these two people. Like they never seem to ask any real questions or or at least we never see the show show those conversations. It's always like, well, do you like do you like my son or not? As pretty much as far as it goes. Yeah, and you see this often in hometown visits too where the lead is going in and they're all nervous and often asking for a blessing or however you want to frame that permission depends on, you know, <laughs> how how much uh benefit of the doubt for being progressive you want to give the lead. Usually it's permission, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, a lot of times the family members will be like, you know, come on, come across really hard and and skeptical but then they ultimately fold with like well i trust my child and if she if she believes this is the right thing then i trust her judgment and you know i mean it it's always just sort of a it always sort of just deflates Mm -hmm. into that i wonder if like there's like a a list of things you're not allowed to ask like you can't ask about who they voted for or like if their parents are divorced or if they go to church or not. Like these are the questions that seem so obvious to ask. Like if, if if I had a son, you know, if our son, you know, a million years from now brings home someone from college or something, like I'd be asking her a ton of questions. Like, like what's your family like? Like all kinds of stuff. It, it seems like all they care about is like, well, do you like him or not? And, and I do understand like when there is the whole TV element, you have to wonder, you know, is there is the motivation to get married or is it just to get famous for 15 minutes and that is valid but i mean i think if you actually ask some deeper questions that will come out in in the process and part of it may be that these family members don't really know how the show works exactly right um and so they're just a little bit taken off guard there's Usually what I see is the parent saying, well, what is it about my my son that you like or that you are are drawn to? And then they have to, you know, come up with some big thing that's beyond. Well, they're very attractive. (laughs) I remember um, in Nick Vial's season, Vanessa's mom was saying, you know, what what first drew you to Vanessa and he sort of perked up and was like well as soon as she got out of the limo I just thought she was so beautiful and she was kind of like yeah, well, well yeah I know like it's beyond her looks like because Vanessa looks otherworldly beautiful mm-hmm. but but it, I, I thought that was a little unfair honestly because it's like well the first thing you notice is that she looks right. like a Disney princess but in that, in that case he, he got cut off like he was trying to say more than that but like uh, they they hated him like they they saw everyone as a threat to her. they did but it was like that was the first thing what else could there be yeah it wasn't like oh I, I i could tell that she was a poetic soul i shut my eyes and i smelled that she wears baby powder fresh deodorant and <laughs> that was the first thing that drew me to her 
Ooh, lilac. I it's it's frustrating to me just all like that's that seems to be the, the theme throughout the entire season for me is is a advi- life advice in the form of tattoos and b like never asking a clarifying question like ben i think the worst is colton by far but ben is a close second just never actually asks like a, like i love when jojo says like we've never talked about the future it's like that'd be the first thing i'd be thinking about like okay so i have to make a decision in, in 24 hours like I, I want more information it is and it's and it's a legit thing to think about too if you and that's sort of a a bit of a conundrum with this show is that if you get to the end with people who have who are actually ready to get married usually those are people who have careers and like if he had taken twin emily to the end it would have been like <laughs> seriously like if he had taken her to the end it would have been like well you know she'll just move from vegas and yeah. go live in denver with jojo she's she's like a real estate developer she's a house flipper or something like that right and in in dallas and her whole family's there and i mean she's pretty seems pretty established in her life there and so for her to say like we haven't talked about this but i would do whatever it takes to make it work meaning i think that she would at least like travel or consider moving or whatever um but that's a bigger consideration than just somebody who is maybe not as ready for marriage emotionally but much more free logistically right right and yeah the most candid discussion about actual life things seem to happen with jubilee and a little bit with Olivia, actually, and, yeah. and Amanda. Really not as much with, at least that we saw, with with either of these two women. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I mean, yeah, it, pretty much the, the whole arc was like, I'm in love with two women. Oh, no, what will I do? Like, well, you're not going to actually like think, think about this. You're just going to sit there and be worried and then eventually go, I love someone else more. And I guess it's really the best you can do. I mean, given the information, but you can always go find more information. That's, that's, that's my point. I don't know. I'm going to stop harping on this. There's, there's something else that, that comes to mind with this episode. And, and that is the contemporary view on asking the father's permission to marry the daughter. You, you can take the, the traditional view, which we all understand for the most part. And contrast that with like the modern, you know, feminist view where it's like, well, the tradition of asking the father is is because the woman was seen as property or something like that or somehow belonged to the father and da da da. That's not right. So, I mean, if, if all that is true, let's just pretend that let's just assume that's true. Then then what is the modern day? Assume it's true that she's property. <laughs> Sorry, no. So assume that that viewpoint is true. That basically the 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 only justification for that tradition is the idea that the woman is. Pro- Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> the clarification. <laughs> uh, if, if we assume the feminist argument is true, is what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Then why? What what is the contemporary way to go about that tradition? Because I don't feel. I don't know if I, if I was a, f- a father and that were to happen, like a guy were to propose to my daughter without telling me, I would take it as a total affront. Not because not because I see my daughter as my property, but because I just it looks to me like there's just a complete lack of uh, consideration for the rest of the family. You know? Yeah, I mean, I like to think of it 
as, and I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I like to think of it as asking for a blessing, like asking for their support and their, you know, maybe even some, some guidance about it, you know, beforehand saying like, this is, these are my intentions. Like I intend to be, you know, to act honorably toward your daughter and like, Mm -hmm. um, and propose and do I have your support to move forward with that plan? And I mean, it's obviously the prerogative of the, of the parent, especially on a reality show um, to refuse that support. But I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a consideration thing that they can say, well, you know, I have, I have our, both of our families behind us and like, we're, we're not just launching into this on our own. We're, you know, asking for people we love to to stand by us in this. I mean, it's almost like, <laughs> imagine that. Like, it's almost a preparation for a wedding where you have all the people you care about stand up with you and say, like, yes, we will support your relationship. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that is something that I think is totally true, whether, no, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, is a concept that doesn't get talked about a lot because we put a lot of emphasis on the individual in contemporary society, but like a marriage is not just, it doesn't just affect the couple, it affects every person in those two people's lives. So like, yeah, I mean, they're going to be doing holidays at each other's houses right. and, and those are going to be, they're going to be, you know, grandparents right. to their kids. And I mean, you know, they're going to be involved, hopefully best case scenario, at least. Yeah. So, you know, a, a marriage does affect an entire group of people. So I think, I, I don't know. I, I understand, I understand the heat behind the feminist argument, but I, I do think there's something that's still very much valid about asking for uh, the blessing of the parents. Like, you know, when, when I, when I asked your parents, I had coffee with, with your, with your dad and your mom. And it was very much because I really wish I could have <laughs> seen that. I really just been a fly on the wall. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> quite a story i mean knowing your dad and knowing your mom it was like a it was like a progressive dinner of sorts where i had to basically talk to your dad first and then go around the corner and talk to your mom and your dad together because your mom (laughs) wanted to make sure that the look on your dad's face was approving or not before she saw me because she didn't know how to respond (laughs) oh boy it was i had to do this multi-step uh dance but you had to go through the labyrinth and answer the question from the sphinx and the sphinx was my mom absolutely well solve this riddle maybe it's just semantic because i think that maybe people are just hung up on the word permission because yeah obviously that. we're all adults like you know if, if everybody's consenting and you know making their own choices and can vote for the president or serve in the armed forces like you know they can do whatever they want, but maybe it's it it should just be reframed not as permission, but as like support or a blessing or, um, yeah, just being involved and saying yes, I'm for this. It is it is unfortunate that I think we get so hung up on semantics, we do miss that. I think people who are very well-meaning in that kind of feminist or you know left-leaning camp or the progressive camp. I think they're well-meaning when they bring up those issues, but I think you do miss out on the fact that like families, families matter and family support matters. And being a married couple 
definitely is harder when you're autonomous from your family, like having their support and their, their encouragement and their community is, is super real. So it's, it's just really funny because this show likes to masquerade as being very progressive and being very, um, you know, traditional at the same time, very like faith, family football, always vote Republican. And like, aren't we woke? We, we bring up, we bring up social issues and racial issues. And, and, and it's like, this show seems to have had an identity crisis over the last five or six years. Yeah, they're trying to do a hard pivot, and it's pretty inelegant at this point. It's There's only so many times you can trot out your one lead of color and <laughs> have her sort of clear the air for everybody so that we can get back to being, you know, comfortable and, and feel like we're on the right side of history. <laughs> I mean, the very premise of the show is kind of kind of misogynistic. antiquated yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little antiquated a little misogynistic i mean it's, it's just kind of it's just kind of like 25 women one eligible bachelor yeah it's just like i think it's okay just to just to know who you are and just be who you are like don't try to be edgy or hip it's like it's like it's like well the problem is that all the contestants have now become instagram influencers and they're all on there hashtagging stuff and you know being you know trying to be armchair thought leaders at you know the wise age of 25 and it's and so i think the franchise producers are having to somehow like try to frantically pedal to keep up i mean you have people like dean you know or yeah i mean just different people who are who are doing kind of like this commentary stuff and so i think the producers are going like wait a minute we need to say something about this too like hashtag bullying is bad or something <laughs> but like do they like they they get the blue checks on instagram because they're on that show like the show came first the platform came first and then they can spin off and do what they want but like if the show ends up let's just you know say you know hypothetically the show ends up spinning off so weirdly that it crashes and burns you don't it, which you know is hard to imagine but could happen you don't have the platform anymore so you don't get to be famous anymore so in, in rea- even those even though those those contestants become instagram celebrities like they got where they are because of the show so the show is the one that leads it like they're, they're the ones that are following they're, they're the ones that have to get on the show in order to get their kudos you know and everybody who watches the show either is not aware enough to worry about this or they're totally aware that it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so we're not expecting somebody who is like hawking flat tummy tea or like sugar bear hair products or whatever they are like to be the people we look to to um, <laughs> give us, you know, directions to the moral high ground. So it's it's a weird phenomenon that's happening. But I do get the sense that the production is trying to kind of keep up with the times a little bit because it's it's like it's cool to to care right now <laughs> like it is it's you know to be causey and um you know to use your platform for good and um but yeah I think that they're it's just another example of them being as tone deaf in this direction as they are in the original direction of being like trapped in the cinderella story narrative right 
Yeah, I mean, the show is like a, it's a shiny paperback romance novel. Like that's like that's what they're selling. That's what people love about it. They they either, they either love the the over the top romance of it, you know, like these fantasy suites and these like you know topiaries and and, and kissing under fireworks, waterfalls and and boat rides and stuff. Or they love just how campy ridiculous it is. So I need to see people trying to hold hands while they're both individually on horses it's <laughs> it really just scratches a, an itch for me so, i don't know i just feel like uh my advice is like stick with what is actually working with the show definitely keep the diversity of the cast going i mean it's not too late to get mike back but um otherwise just to stick with what's working you know yes our podcast to god's ears mike johnson he's my bachelor hashtag always my bachelor so, okay, so there's one one last big thing we got to talk about that's uh, not meta show, but in show, and that is post-Final Rose, um, the whole Lauren and Ben romance. What actually happened, how it actually ended, and uh, where they're at now. So I was looking online just figuring out where they are now. Uh, we've mentioned a few episodes back, Ben is now... Uh, engaged uh, Lauren uh, got herself married to to Chris Lane who looks like a giant giant douchebag um, well he's a country singer so there, Willie Nelson's a country singer well but he's not a Willie Nelson country singer he's more of a he's a dude bro country singer I think he I mean I don't I could never tell you anything he's ever done but I do think he's more in the Chase Rice kind of camp just I, all I had to do is look at a photo of him like look look at this okay he's fine he just looks no no, no look, look at this one I'm looking at a wedding picture right now he looks fine Lauren however looks like she got her lips done I mean, I would not select him, but he looks fine. I mean, over Ben Higgins, though? Well, that was a while ago <laughs> that that ended. She has totally had her lips done. And I mean, she I'm not like judging her too hard. I mean, that's kind of her world, but like, she's so cute. She didn't need to do anything. Yeah, that's what drives me crazy about all these girls, especially the ones that end up on BIP. Like, they look almost unrecognizable. And it's like... Guys, come on. Anyway, um, she got she got herself married. Ben has moved on, so they seem to be very happy uh, in their own respective worlds. But it's definitely pretty sad. She has a very nice video of her dog in a wheelbarrow sort of thing at uh, what appears to be Home Depot. Oh no, it's Lowe's. That's a cute dog. It would be Lowe's, but um, his name is Bruiser. <laughs> so what? A, so what I was trying to say was um, it's definitely sad seeing, you know, their families on stage. Um, they they played up this whole, like, let's get married right now situation. Uh, Chris Harrison just made things so awkward. Um, it's so weird that because Ben said no and didn't have the, the wedding right there and then, they ended up getting uh, broken up. So it's just very surreal, like, watching that whole last scene knowing what we know what happens afterwards yeah i didn't at the time i didn't want to watch ben and lauren happily ever after question mark right uh which was their little spinoff show because it looked stupid 
But I do kind of want to see the scene where they decide to end the engagement. I think that would be kind of narratively satisfying. Um, I have seen a, sort of a clip where it's like, so so the wedding is off or something like that, you know, but I, I would like to see the whole scene in context and just kind of get a, a sense of closure because, mm-hmm. you know, I was invested in this. I like both of them a lot. So to to close that chapter properly. Speaking of uh, chapters closing, this is our last episode for probably a while. I know we got a lot of work ahead of us with schools and babies and business and just trying to get back to life after this whole COVID thing. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But there's a uh, a virus. There's a pandemic on. So They is, live here, by the way. Oh, yeah. They got married in, in Nashville. Yeah. So, Lauren, if you're listening to this. We will make you a drink. We will make you a missionary's downfall, and you can tell us all about this in person. Come on. Let's hang out. I think, like, every other contestant who's ever been on the show lives in Nashville now. Well, we are It City, so I'm not sure uh, if the murals are open right now to uh, get your picture taken in front of all cool and nonchalant, like, not looking at the camera, you know, just like somebody stumbled upon you with their their iPhone. Um, But I'm sure they will be soon. You can also do the mid-jump freeze in front of the I Believe in Nashville mural. That's uh, There's no line in front of that right now. Yeah, just like the end of an 80s movie. Um, yeah, Nashville, we, we brunch so hard. <laughs> anyway, this is our last episode for a while. Uh, we got to get back to life. And um, we just got to catch our breath. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, it won't be too much of a long wait before the next iteration of bachelorette and bip um we are still really optimistic about claire crawley's season we're really looking forward to that so hopefully they will get the production up and running on that soon and provide a classic strong female-led bachelorette season that we uh have come to expect and i'm sure claire is going to rock it so we're looking forward to that one one more hot question before we go though i'm seeing a lot of buzz about the listen to your heart cast some of them being on BIP, which means if that's the case and we haven't watched it, and as far as I'm concerned, we will never watch it, do we need to watch it in order to get the context to appreciate them if they're on BIP? My guess is that they will probably supply some clips of these people who weren't on the main franchise shows to kind of provide rapid context. I hope. Maybe not. But no, I don't want to watch it. (laughs) Not even <laughs> not even COVID could make me watch that spinoff. But, uh, oh, well. And we totally forgot to mention last time, this truly has been the season of tattoos because uh, Lace is tattooed onto a fan's rib cage. <laughs> How did we forget we that? We totally forgot to mention that. <laughs> Chris Harrison was like, don't touch her. <laughs> it was so funny. No, no, you face that way. No, your arm goes no, here. The, no. ta- the tattoo, don't, no. <laughs> I mean, he, he went into full, like, protective dad mode. It was incredible. Be- between that and, like, the last five minutes of the final rose with, like, the family up there and, like, Ben saying, no, no, thanks for bringing my pastor, but no. I the, I, I wish they would have learned, like, maybe this whole live thing isn't really going to work out. Because <laughs> like, stuff happens that we can't get a hold of. And then, it, and then you top it off with, like, the whole barb cam, you know, from the last season. 
Yeah, anytime they try to just spring things on the contestants, it doesn't seem to go well. So maybe they should just stick to the script. That's the lesson we've learned from this season. Don't trust your tattoos and stick to the script. And enjoy another missionary's downfall. That's what I'm going to do. Um, guys, if you've appreciated this season, let us know. Uh, comment or DM on our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you guys. And please let us know if there's another season that you think would be great for a rewatch podcast. We'd love to watch another one. And we don't know when Claire's season's going to be, so we might have some time. Just let us know. But guys, stay safe out there. Be smart. Think long term. Wash your hands. Social distance. And think about those who might have compromised immune systems, not just about yourself. Until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.